Mr. Cole, you have to speak up. I mean, God can hear you all the time, but we want to agree. Yes, sir. <laughs> nice to go, Brett. Did you ask me to pray? Yes, sir, I okay. sure did. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you've called us together in this, this group to fellowship one with another. Your mercy is so great. You are such a good God. Lord Jesus, what you've done for us is beyond our comprehension, and we love you back. You loved us first. You did all this just for us. There's none like you. There's none like you. We just look to you. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise. And we, we give our lives to you. We just we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done. We thank you that you can just walk one with another together here in this fellowship and love one another. And we thank you that we, you called us into this group together. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Okay. What's that? Like right at home. Isn't that the beauty of a house shirt? <laughs> you can write it up. <laughs> it has been a bit. It has been. So, can, can you all see that okay? Yeah, I, I can. Alright, good. You got those young eyes. <laughs> Alright, there's plenty of room in the front room, so. We have more seats. More seats in here. Alright. So this is in full assurance of faith, and we're going to continue building through verse 22 of Hebrews 10, but we're going to start verse 19 with this transitional section. So, Hebrews 10, 19-21. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You should really just take like a life in a life and meditate on this entire verse. <laughs> so... Um, it, it, it would be challenging, at least to me, to, to be able to teach this verse in one sitting um, without, a lunch, without a lunch break, right? <laughs> so, last week we did a true heart. Um, this is, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That with a true heart and full assurance of faith is a single clause. So we kind of broke it up in two. We talked about the heart and now we're going to talk about how that heart comes in to draw near to God and full assurance of faith. We draw near to God with a heart of faith. You see how those two are connected? You know, we come in with a true heart, with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. This is how we draw near to God. A heart full of faith. Hebrews 11.6, which we'll spend some more time on in the future, Lord willing, says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. That's God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He is. Uh, that just makes sense. I mean, you're going to get to, I want to talk to Jason's friend over here, and uh, hey, welcome to church. I mean, you would have to believe, that's an empty seat for those on audio, you'd have to believe someone was there to do something like that, right? <laughs> or if you just wanted to make a lame joke. But to draw near to God, to draw near to God, you have to actually believe that that person exists anything else, you're not drawing near to Him. Okay? You have to believe that He is 
Furthermore, that he rewards those who seek him. To draw near, you have to believe he rewards those who seek him. And it's a continual unlearning of the fall to understand that the approach to God is not the expectation of wrath. Amen. That God rewards those who push toward Him. Now, He's always pursuing you. We never beat God to the punch, took the initiative. We've always responded. We may not have you know, recognized that we responded, but He's the one that chased us down. He's the one that sent the Holy Spirit into the world to convict of sin because it didn't believe on Jesus Christ. So, after the ascension and after the glorification, the Holy Spirit came in personal presence on planet Earth to heighten the sense of sin. And consequently, it heightens, it heightens the judgment of refusing the, the, uh, the solution for sin. Okay, But you have to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So, when you come to God, I mean, now, now, so, I planned a teaching and now preach came on, right? We have any number of songs, the sentiment of which I, I completely get, you know? We don't seek your hand, we seek your face, uh, it's not your blessing, it's you. Um, you know, all, all of these things that do a false juxtaposition between the reward that God says we must believe He gives us when we seek Him to get close to Him. Let me show you why, Jason. Let me show you why. When I want to get close to God, He already has reward in His hands. So put your hands out. So now, but I don't believe He's a rewarder. So I want to get near to God. I want to get near to Him. God, I, I want you, God. I want you. God then reaches out to me and I'm like, no, I don't want the reward. No, 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 I just want you. Well, I can't. There you go. And that's what he does, huh? That is what he does. Amen? Amen? So how frequently do, I, do we set our hearts up in a way that falsely pushes against God who loves you so much that he took his only begotten and sent them in the world to spill every ounce of life out because of your and my screw-ups, because of my sin, because of my hatred toward God, because of my anger toward my brother, because of my lust, because of my drunkenness, because of my lying, because of my hypocrisy. Because of me, me, me. Yeah. Right? And so, we come to God who spent the most precious thing to Him to have you when you hated Him, when you were at war with Him, and then somehow we get so sanctified that we get enthralled with this thing of, well, it's more worshipful to deny God's reward. Now, I started this with saying, I understand the sentiment of these songs. So I'm, I'm not knocking the songs. All I'm saying is think about it. That those who would draw near to God, first of all, have to believe He exists. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's the second part. It's the second part. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. He is a rewarder of those who, who seek Him, right? He, he, he rewards us. So, that's what we have to do to draw near. A true heart in the full assurance of faith. And the full assurance of faith. <laughs> Yay! It was empty. It was empty. Which means it can be filled. Okay. All right. So, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. But what does it say? What does the word say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is 
the word of faith that we proclaim. The word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe where? In your heart. In your heart. Your heart is your faith engine. <laughs> that's, where, that's where faith, belief happens. It happens in your heart. Um, delusion happens in your brain. Okay, but faith, belief is a heart thing. I'm actually believing I can find my water. There it is. <laughs> All right. Um, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. With the heart. I don't work it out in some sort of a logic branch train in my mind as to, okay, so I, I did this, and, and then he did that, and then I did this, and he did that, and so then when it was done, okay, I get it, so I get it now, I'm, I'm justified. No. God said, my son died for you, believe that, you're justified. Okay, I believe. Now. How many of you have struggled with bringing someone to Christ? You know, you have you have those where where I mean, you just you know you walk up like yeah, I believe. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had a I had a great one in uh, in in actually it was part of the blessing was I got to use um, Hannah's middle name as like the opening of the door. But we got we went into this man's house and and the whole household. I, you know, I walked in off the street in, in Wa, in Ghana, Wa is the city, and talked to this man in his house with his whole household, and, I don't know, 20 minutes later, the whole household gave their life to Jesus. Amen. Okay? And then there are people. <laughs> there are people that God puts you in association with, and it's like, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I understand why you believe, but I don't believe. Wait, were those the same people... Came and this was a few years ago, but they were from Ghana. No, okay. no, no, never saw the man or his household again. But one one of his children was named Celeste, so there you have it. Um, so this believe in the heart and is justified. I, I worked with a man this was like thir three decades ago, and and he just had a real struggle with. I just don't understand how somebody else could die for my sin. I just, I can't, you know. And, and yet, God had been gracious to him and in his experience in Vietnam, he said, the one thing he was trying to approach again when he saw something supernatural, okay? So he's in the bush and, and uh, anyhow, um, the, the Viet Cong were, were, were coming, he was out of ammo, and he just looked up and said, No! And they fell down. Oh. And he's, he was alive. Mm -hmm. You know, so he and I worked together for uh, a year, year and a half. You know, had him at my house, eating supper, and I mean, all kinds of... Never saw him come to Christ, but that was his... He just, it just couldn't come to it, you know? Couldn't come to it in his, in his mind. Now, I, I don't know where the story ends because I'm just part of the story. God's over the entire story, right? But this word, this word doesn't say, hey, go, go all the way up to heaven or go all the way to hell. And you can read that either in Deuteronomy or in the verses before this in, in Romans 10. It, it says, look, if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved because your heart believes and is justified, and your mouth confesses, and you're saved. So that heart-mouth connection, here's another thing. How much easier could God make it for us, right? Here's our struggle of faith. So well, I've, I've got I've to proclaim it, and I've got to say it. I've got to speak to the mountain. I've got to say all these things. Jesus says, you know, out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, <laughs> if I have to have a heart-faith connection... And God made me in such a way as that I could not keep my heart out of my mouth. Understand? That's how you're made. Your Father made you in such a way 
that you are predisposed to proclaim what your heart believes. And then he goes, check this out. I'm going to put some things in their heart so that when they do what I created them to do, it's going to change the world. Mm -hmm. It'll move mountains. It'll cause the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Let's have some fun. Let's make another one. You know what I mean? You know, right? So, so we come, you know, Father's like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> you know, he, he rewards those who seek Him. This is how we draw near to God, with a heart of faith. For the Scripture says, everyone, everyone who believes in Him will what? Will not be put to shame. Now, if our, if our Father tells us that any of us who put our faith in Jesus will not be ashamed, why is it that we allow our shame to keep us from drawing near to God? You see, that drawing near is an act of faith. That drawing near to God is one that says, well, I... Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what Christ has done and I have believed in my heart, I don't have to pray Isaiah's prayer. I don't have to pray, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a dead man because I've seen God. Because God fixed my problem. Isaiah had to have angelic intervention just to get him squared away to speak to the nations. They had, you know, they had to take a coal off the altar um, a fire in, in heaven, the true tabernacle, right? And touch his lips and say, okay, you're clean right now. You, you can go ahead. Go ahead on. Well, when you see God, you ain't gonna die. You got the resurrected one in you. That was the whole point, right? So, though these, these things that are written in the Old Testament for us to, to build hope and for our learning of of Moses having to put a veil over his face, you know, of having to hide in the cleft of the rock because he couldn't see the glory of God, of Isaiah saying, I'm a dead man because I've seen holy, holy, holy. Did you see John pray that prayer? Now, he fell down as a dead man because it's pretty awestrucking stuff, right? Yeah. If you see heaven in a wide-open vision, there's no film a man will touch it. So, you know, if the last time you saw Jesus, he looked like, the Jesus you knew before they hung on the cross, except a little scarred up, right? And you watched him going to Shekinah Cloud, and you're like, well, there he goes. Okay? And then you flash forward like 60 years, and you're hanging out in exile on some island, and Jesus shows up, and his voice thunders, his eyes are on fire, he's got a sword out of his mouth, he's brilliantly shining bright, you know, well, then I turned and I saw the voice talking to me. I fell down as a dead man. Well, wouldn't you? But that's different. You understand what I'm saying? It's different. Because he didn't say, oh, I'm an unclean man. I'm a dead man. Why are you showing me this? <laughs> he started asking questions. You know, right? And they started asking him questions. Why? He's a son. Bought. Born. Rewarded for drawing near to God. That's what we have to believe, right? So... Everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame. Here's the thing that trapped me, aside from like, you know, being very dehydrated. Um, for a substantial period of my Christian life, I was taught faith as something that was primarily on me. And it was confidence in what I believed versus who told it to me. Confidence in what supposedly I could do, not who was doing it through me. And <clears throat> there's a lot of things that man's faith can do. Man's faith is substantial enough for God to say, yeah, the tower can go so high, but no farther because I'm going to lock it down because you guys are dangerous. Okay? But it still pales by comparison to the faith of Jesus Christ, born in your spirit. Amen? Yeah. Not be put to shame. When I come to my Father, He's a rewarder. 
He's not putting me to shame. He already took his son, stripped him naked, beat him till he bled, nailed him to a cross, watched him bleed out, buried him, watched his body go in the grave, his soul go into Hades, his spirit go into Tartarus, and then took him all the way up and said, Adam, here I am, and then took him all the way to the highest high till he filled all things. Amen. You think you got a sin he didn't pay for? You think you got a sin he didn't see already? You don't think he, you think you got a sin or, or a problem that that shocks him? <laughs> I think I they're, they're building a tower. I think I shall look down and see what's going on. God says it's pretty funny that way, right? Man's like, we're going to build this tower. I was like, let me look down and see what they're doing. <laughs> you know? Okay. All right. Not ashamed. Can you say that? I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I will not be shamed. Can you say that? I will not be shamed. Right? This is good news. This is freedom, people. The way we came in, the way we came in, is the way we stay in. How do you live in the holiest of all? The same way you receive the holiest of all. You just gotta believe. You know, I, I used to believe, because um, you know, this is my experience. You know, I, I was challenged on my faith, and and I had been raised uh, evangelical, so um, it was it was always this celebration of being saved. But then the question: Are you really? <laughs> you know, and and I had I had maybe I didn't have a lot of weight in the balances preaching. But they were memorable because it seems like, I, to me, in my memory, there were a lot of, you know, weight in the balances of wanting preaching, right? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you sure you're born again? You know? Um, and, and so, um, I, I had heard of, of what we typically call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and I, had this, I had this sense that, you know, if, if I received my prayer language, then that would, that would be it. That would settle it. And that was my experience. That there, you know, there were some intellectual doubts, not no real heart doubts, but there were some intellectual doubts. But when I first uh, spoke in tongues at the age of fourteen, um, that was that. That was that was you know it, it didn't. I, I from that point forward, any any test I had, I had true confirmation bias. Any testimony of science showed me the face of God. I, you know, it didn't it didn't matter what science said, didn't matter what psychology said. If, if any ounce of truth they spoke, God created. I, mean, I, got, I saw God everywhere, right? And so I thought, that was it. All you had to do was get people to receive the baptism, okay? Um, so I'm using this terminology because it communicates, not because I necessarily agree with its application. So anyhow, if, if people just did that, then all this would go away, right? And you know what anything happened? And then I encountered a whole host of people. People I know who, who had a prayer language. People I know who laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. People I know who God worked miracles through decided to stop believing. Mm. Decided that, nope, I don't believe that anymore. Mm. And then, well, axiomatically, they discontinued drawing near. It's a relationship for, for real, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can... And so we look at Scripture and go, and we think, well, how could Solomon, or how could David, or how can, how could the, you know, these kings, you finally, you're reading through kings, you're like, oh no, another bad one. Oh no, another bad one. <laughs> oh no, oh, here's a good one. Oh, it's all, oh. <laughs> you know, like, it was all good until, oh, did you have to do that, right? How could that happen? Well, you know, the way we come in is the way we stay in. <coughs> is that those who draw near to God must first believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that those who seek Him. Amen? That's how we stay in the holiest of all. So, I got in His house by believing His Son died for me. How do I stay in His house? Oh yeah, older brother did that. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> right? No, I believe that. If I, you know, if I believe He died for my sin, you know what else I believe? I know I got sin. It's not one of these where I'm self-righteous. Well, I belong here. I got a right to be in this house. <laughs> yeah. I got a right. You can't kick me out of this house. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey. Um, Thank you, Lord, for your love. Every parent knows that a child can go, but so far. <laughs> and you can not be in the house, right? <laughs> it's not about what I did. It's about what Jesus did. Amen. Right? So, I'm a baby of a family. Lots of people here got older siblings, right? Can you imagine growing up? You're one of the oldest babies I've seen. Yeah, baby. Can you imagine growing up in, in, in Jesus' uh, um, uh, sibling constellation, right? You know, there, there, goes, uh, there goes Judah messing up or whatever, and you can hear Mary saying, Why don't you act more like Jesus? That boy's perfect. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> the family dynamics of, of, the, of the Nazarene home. Anyhow, the way we come in is the way we stay in. We stay in. Because we believe that God really forgave us. We believe that the blood of Christ is sufficient. We believe that the grace of God is enough. We believe that His mercies are new every morning. We believe that His loving kindness is everlasting. Amen? That was an amen sip. I'll take an amen sip. Y'all are so excited. All right. So, this full assurance... We draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. This word, full assurance, okay? Is the Greek word, pleroforia. And it has, it's, it's, it's an automatic double entendre. That's, you can't translate it through one English word, okay? So it, it means both to fill completely and to be firmly, firmly convinced. Sometimes we say, I know that I know that I know. I know that I know that I know. Right? But but this this is this this one word means my sack is full and I know it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, it, it doesn't both at the same time all. Alright? Which is the real cool thing about how God writes. Because, you know, he he looked down at that tower growing up, you know, he looked down and he said, okay, alright, I know. I know what's going on. You guys are communicating too well. <laughs> How about I just mess that up a little bit? And so, you know, one guy asked for a hammer, and he turned around to his friend and said, Can I have a matia? <laughs> the guy said, What? <laughs> you know, a matia. <laughs> they, they can't talk to you. So now, you know, one speaks Spanish, one speaks English. It doesn't work. Right? And so then all these uh, languages go by the by, different ways, different directions. God has his hand on it, and he goes, Oh, here's a language. Let's get it to this point and let it die. Well, here's a culture. Let's get it to this point. Let's let them build. And then, you know, we'll get them out of the picture. So he takes one culture with a solidified language, writes his New Testament in it, and carries it across the road the Roman legions conquered the world with. Right? That's, that's our father. And so then he, 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 I'm, he does this in Hebrew too, I'm sure, but I'm not so familiar with Hebrew as I am with Greek. But he just picks these words that go, wow, that fits both cases. And it's one word. We don't have one in English. Isn't this cool? Right? That's, that's his word. It does happen. He does that <laughs> a lot. Really cool. He just does that a lot. Because God never says one thing. Even when he's saying one thing, it's deeper than you think. <laughs> he just doesn't run out. Because he is all in all. Because he is that rich. Because he is that generous. Because he is that... He sees God. Even the simple is profound. So it derives... This word derives from pleris, which is... Uh, to fill completely, and phoreo, which means to bear in continuous or habitual condition. So not, not necessarily to bear as in to carry, but, but to, like, like uh, the civil authorities bearing the sword. So, you know, you could carry a sword, but to bear the sword is like a continual thing. Um, uh, we say that government has the monopoly on violence, right? Government has the monopoly on violence. That means... When government executes violence, that's their monopoly, that's their prerogative, that's their pejorative, right? But when individuals exercise violence, then the government comes in and offers retribution, right? So they bear the sword and they don't bear it in vain. Or um, us bearing the image of dust and then bearing the image of heaven in 1 Corinthians 15. This is this word, uh, phoreo, okay? Alright, with me so far? Enough Greek for you? Alright, okay? Alright, not enough? Okay. Alright, So, we come in with a true heart and the full conviction and continual carrying of. And the full conviction and habitual, continual 
carrying of faith. Faith. See that? In the full assurance of faith, it's beyond a confidence thing. It's beyond a, you know, well, I'm fully assured because I have faith. Right? <laughs> this is, I am full of faith and the habit of walking around with it. That is how I can habitate with God. In faith. In faith. In faith. In my life, one of the simplest ways of keeping this as real and as effervescent and as continual as ever is thankfulness. Amen. Is thankfulness. Amen. You know? Um, I, and, and I, you know, I was struggling with attitude today. Uh, mine, not everybody else's. <laughs> but I mean, I was, I was dealing with some serious attitude. I was like, would you knock it off? I don't want to. I don't want to be here. And so, <laughs> not here, but, you know, we were supposed to be done like at noon, and it was, you know, noon, noon bled to 12.30 to 1 o'clock, and I'm thinking, it's going to be 3.30 before I even... Okay? And, and so... And we're driving back, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's just not being thankful. You got an attitude because you're not being thankful. You got it. So I began to thank the Lord for His supply. You know, He He, he supplied the job. He's supplying the hours. He said He knows what I need. You know, and and oh, and then the next struggle was, you know, my prayer every, every day is like uh, um, that that I would be um, profitable for His kingdom and profitable to my employer. Right? And he'd give me opportunities to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ as I ought. That's like a daily prayer for me, right? And, and, but then religious me is like, well, you know it's Saturday. You're struggling because it's the Sabbath and you're out there working. Sabbath. <laughs> 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 you know, so theological me is going like, well, yes, but. And, and then back and forth and back and forth. You know what, you know what fixed the logjam? I'm not ashamed. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And, and I mean, I've shared this plenty, but I'm telling you that chemo solved most of my theological problems. Because my theology just boiled down to, I brushed my teeth, and if I kept my stomach, it was, thank you, Lord, I didn't throw up this morning. And then, if two seconds later, I lost my stomach, I said, thank you, Lord, I get to brush my teeth again. You know, if your mouth is thinking, it can't complain. Mm -hmm. It just can't. Right. right? And so, and so if you're involved in thankfulness, even in the worst of conditions, I think of the Corey Tim Boom story where she was, you know, she just there in the barracks there, at, at, at the, the concentration camp there in, and it's just infested with fleas, you know, and Corey's complaining about the fleas, complaining about the fleas, complaining about the fleas. You come to find out the reason why they could they could have Bible studies in that concentration camp. The reason why women are coming to Christ, the reason why everything was happening was because the guards didn't like the fleas. Right. And so the away. fleas were keeping the guards out, and they, they were doing all this work for God in there because of the fleas. And her sister said, well, you know, that's why. Okay, thank you, God, for the fleas. Mm -hmm. Right? So, so that one habit of continual faith. See, I believe he rewards so, you know, maybe I don't like what's for supper. Not any time in the past 25 years. Uh, <laughs> 35 years, yeah. Okay. Um, so, but, you know, he supplied the meal, right? What did he use to teach humbleness and thankfulness to the Israelites? Hey, what's for dinner? I got this new brand thing, hill thing. It's manna. All you got to do is pick it up from the ground. Yippee! We get manna. <laughs> Two weeks later, hey, man. <laughs> I've had manna for breakfast. I had manna for lunch. I had manna at break time. I got manna for dinner. Midnight snack. I said, honey, what's for midnight snack? She said, manna. I said, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> right? 40 years of it. Okay? Now you know. Now you know. You couldn't eat the leftovers. Right. There was there was some kid, you know, there was some kid who was like maybe 15, 16, they come out of Egypt, right? So he's about 36. And, and they come in, they cross the Jordan, you know, and he turns around and he goes, 
hey, what's for dinner? And they go, we don't have anything. What do you mean? Where's the manna? <laughs> it ended that, that, that day. Thankfulness. He's a rewarder. And as we come to him with this heart of continual faith, you know, do you, do you believe that the creator of the heavens and earth, almighty God, loves you? Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Right? And so, it's just awesome to think of. Yeah, isn't it? And, yeah. and so, in that habit of heart, in that habit of mind, of, oh, my Father loves me. Now, um, I... And then He's making a way for us if we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, had a, I had a great example for a daddy, but he was flawed because, well, he was human. Right? Mm -hmm. So, um, anyhow, I, I know people struggle with images of fatherhood. Well, it just, it just means that God's giving you more faith. You believe God loves you. That He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Mm -hmm. That when you come to Him, in faith you will not be ashamed. Amen? So this full assurance of faith, Andrew Murray says... He says, fullness of faith is a, is a better translation. This, this is, this is um, amplifying that, that filled portion of completely full, right? Um, in full faith, I like this out of the uh, exegetical dictionary in the New Testament, the unbrokenness of faith. Faith that does not break, right? The unbrokenness of faith, that continual carrying of faith. Now that verse, the, the just shall live by faith. But when you track it back to the Hebrew, it's faithfulness. What's the difference between faith and faithfulness? Faithfulness is that continual walking in faith. Amen? Amen. You know, <laughs> faith, though faith provides outcomes, it's independent of them. It's independent of outcomes, right? We're supposed to be like like God, and God is so faithful. Amen. He is so faithful. Amen. So I want to look at the Sabbath healing. It's out of Luke chapter six, because I want to read you a quote out of uh, uh, Andrew Murray's book. But uh, with this in mind, um, I'm thinking it may land a little bit uh, deeper. So Luke six, verse six. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or to destroy it? Now this is a this is a fight he's picking, right? This is a fight he's picking, and and he, he does it Sabbath after Sabbath after he he keeps healing people and he keeps making them mad, right? So he asks him point blank, is it lawful or is it not? And after looking around on them all, he said to him, this man with the other hand, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored. Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. It isn't, he healed his hand and said, now stretch it out, how does that feel? Is that 100% better, 90% better, 50% better? Right? Okay. His hand was withered. Jesus asked him to do the impossible. <laughs> his hand couldn't move. And he said, move your hand. And the man went. And then, when he moved it, it was restored. You follow? It's the same pattern. Now, now it's a great study. If you, want a, if you want a great study, is look at all the different ways Jesus ministered healing. I, I mean, the press would have a field day today, you know. Um, uh, it, uh, messianic Jewish leader spits on his congregants. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, we'd have these kinds of things, you know. <laughs> 
Jesus takes a blind man, throws mud in his eye, you know? <laughs> Jesus in that just breaks, breaks uh, social distancing rules and sticks his finger in some other person's mouth, you know? I mean, I mean, you get all these things out of the news, right? This is in the Bible, by the way. Not the news part, but what Jesus did. So, um, just, just to iterate the fact that, that there's, not a, there's not a formula to administering a gift of healing. The way you administer a gift of healing through the Spirit is how the Spirit tells you to administer the gift of healing. Okay, I've shared this testimony where um, I was in Romania, and and so the, the the first man who came up for prayer had a paralyzed arm. So he had he had a paralyzed arm, and what I saw in the Spirit was a lightning bolt down the nerves in the back of his neck. And so I just spoke life to those nerves in the name of Jesus Christ. And so his hand, his fingers started going like this. You know, his hand was paralyzed, and his fingers started, he's taller than me, and, and his fingers started going like this. And so I learned one Romanian word, which was yes, which was da, you know. And, and so he started doing this, and I said, da, da, and he went, <laughs> and his hand was up. So he just, he just saw that, and then his whole hand went up, right? And, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, and then he, he uh, the interpreter, he, he said something, and, and like he, he came up to my face, and he, he was like, ah, you know, and his teeth were broken, and I thought, okay, maybe he's got dental problems or whatever. And so the interpreter, she says, um, he's been mute for I forget how long. He's gonna talk, right? So, um, so now. I'm not operating in my faith quotient, you understand? I mean, there was a second where I said, really, God, the first guy in line is, is, a, is, a, is a dumb, lame guy? You know, I mean, start off with something. Can I do some counseling on the side? You know, let's just talk about heartbreaks for a while. That's easy to get through. And, and so, um, anyhow, but no, it, you know, he provides the faith, right? He provides the word, which is the revelation. It comes with the faith to carry it out. It's his, not mine. And so I, 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 I grabbed this man's jaw, and I... And I I commanded his tongue to be loose in the name of Jesus Christ, and he started speaking. And and uh, and so I, I, you know he's talking, and I look at the interpreter, and he's talking, and I'm I'm like, what's he saying? And she says, he says he, he doesn't know what to say because he doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like all good Christians, we dance for like 20 minutes, right? So, okay, Amen. stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored. So, the time when we most need to press into the holiest of all is the time when we are least predisposed to do so. And when's that? When we're walking in, and we're like, oh no! You're alright, Nick. Oh no! I got, I got mud on my face. I can't, I can't see him right now. I'll be back. I'll get myself straight. I'll be back. <laughs> right? And we don't go in. When we trip, when we fall, which is when we really, absolutely, need to come before the throne of grace. Amen? 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 And faith that those who believe in Him will not be put to shame. The ten lepers said, Master, heal us. He said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. Show yourself to the priest is, look, it's a done deal. Just go get inspected. Well, it wasn't a done deal. They're lepers. <laughs> but they, okay, Jesus said, go, go talk to the priest. So we're going to go talk. And they obeyed. And then, boom, there it was, right? So, so when our heart is accusing us, we need to speak truth to our heart that our Father is not accusing us. Right? Okay? This is fun of, this is the fun of your living room. <laughs> I tried that in my house. Someone get hurt. <laughs> there is no way of obtaining a true heart but by acting. Andrew Murray said. There's just no way of obtaining a true heart but by acting it. By acting it. What does that mean? 
That means by my true heart, like you know, there was the tabernacle that Moses made and the true tabernacle, the real deal. There's this heart that you may think you have, and then there's this true heart that God created in you. He created that new heart in you. He put His law in you. He put the Spirit of His Son in you, crying out, Abba, Father. He adopted you in the... Uh, ironclad? Is that the right way to say it? He sealed you with His Holy Spirit. You're so deep in the family, you couldn't crawl out if you tried. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean... When you said, Father, I'm home, he said, that's right. <laughs> okay? So, there's no way of obtaining a true heart but by acting it. Now, I want to read to you, because I, I just, I, I just, this really blessed me. And so this is out of the holiest of all, and this is kind of our springboard in, this, in our examination of, of, of Hebrews. But this is this follow-on thought from, from this, uh, this sentence. He says, even as Christ said to the man with the withered hand, Stand forth. He calls you from his throne in heaven. Rise and come and enter in with a true heart. As you hesitate and look, look within to feel and to find out if the heart is true, and in vain to do what is needed to make it true, he calls again and says, Stretch forth thy hand. He called you. You know, we're like, you know, I want to press in to the Holy of Holy, right? And he's like, but, but I invited you. You're, you're not. Stand up. Door's open. <laughs> you're pushing against the wall. No, the door's right here. <laughs> you know, just coming in. Just come in. Right? So, um, I read that again. As you hesitate and look within to feel and to find out if the heart is true, and in vain to do what is needed to make it true, he calls again, stretch forth thy hand. When he spake to that, that to him of the withered arm, whom he had called to rise up and stand before him, the man felt the power of Jesus' eye and voice, and he stretched it forth. Do thou likewise. Stretch forth, lift up, reach out that withered heart of thine that has been so cherishing its own impotence. Stretch forth, and it will be made whole. You, you, you can't clean yourself. That's another one I encounter. You know, people who want to clean themselves up. I had a, a dear friend who, um, I was convinced, he, he thought he couldn't come to Christ unless he quit smoking. And I was all for him quitting smoking, but I was like, brother, unless, you are. Huh? unless he quit smoking, you know? Okay. There are all these things when, when after, after um, a long time of association, and then he's, he's coming closer to, to, uh, to a decision in Christ, but it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't want to come with all this baggage. <laughs> Like, well, I have to give, give this up. Yeah, I have to give this up to come in. He's like, no, I buried it for you. You know? Um, anyhow, so uh, it will be made whole. Isn't that good? That blessed me a lot. Uh, hope it blessed you. This is, again, Andrew Murray. A true heart. This is, this is a true heart. How true? True in what it says that it thinks of itself. True in what it says that believes of God. True in what it professes to take from God and to give to Him. See, if we bring every thought captive to Christ, every thought captive to Christ, then I can't confess to Christ that I'm unwanted. I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to Christ who died for me and tell Him I'm unwanted? No. I must say of myself what the Father says of me. You were this, but now you are this. This is what you are. You know? These epistles in the New Testament don't start out to the sinners in the, in, in, uh, in the assembly of Corinth. You know? You, you crazy, charismatic, fornicating, uh, <laughs> Lord's Supper, breaching, um, dirty hand washing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dirty hand <laughs> Corinthians. But by the way, I, you know, I don't know if we have a term, a regional term that works like that for us. You know, I mean, we joke on West Virginia a lot, and I don't want to do that. But um, you know, Corinthian was like if you were in, in Greek culture at that time, and, and you wanted to um, repudiate someone's character and say that they were a, a low, base human being, you would just say you're a Corinthian. You know, and, and so, but he didn't open that letter with you know to 
the awful, crummy, sinning, really messed up, um, uh, gender-confused uh, uh, assembly uh, that Jesus died for in Corinth. No, what does he say? To the saints. To the saints. That's how all the letters open. Right? To the holy ones. To the holy ones in Ephesus. To the holy assembled in Ephesus. To the holy assembled in Corinth. To the holy assembled in... Not W-H, right? But H-O-L-Y. Holy. 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 That's what he calls us. Holy. Right? So when you call yourself profane, when you call yourself common, unclean, then you are not speaking the truth that he speaks of you. A true heart speaks the truth that he speaks of you. Amen? So, Psalm 51. Who can tell me when this psalm was written? It's in the title. Oh, <laughs> Why did David write this psalm? Right? Yeah. He, he, uh... Yeah, he had uh, he had Uriah killed, so he could have Bathsheba. And when he finally confronted his sin, you know all these machinations. Um, uh, you know he's he's uh, um, he covets another man's wife. He sleeps with another man's wife. Um, he he then enters a conspiracy to lie to the other man. After after he impregnates the woman, then when that fails, he enters into a conspiracy to implicate Joab to murder the man. The man gets murdered, right? And then the prophet finally comes and says, "Hey, uh, we gotta have a talk, right?" And and so then and then all then all this, you know, all of it lands, right? The deceitfulness of sin. It's not like he didn't, it, but you get it, right? It just it, you know, one thing led to another, and there he is. And so here is his song: <clears throat> "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions." Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. We're talking about a true heart and, and the full bearing of faith, right? Um, you delight in truth in the inward being. He delights when we say about ourselves what He paid for us to be. He delights when we confess what He says we now are. He delights when we praise Him for the creation He has made. Right? To, to extol Him as Redeemer. Right? He delights in that. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit, or with your willing spirit, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. So now, I've, I've shared before, and I'll share probably as long as I'm teaching Bible, you don't have to worry about God taking the Holy Spirit from you if you've been born again. <laughs> okay? Um, now, you can, you can interfere, you can grieve them and interfere with the outward manifestation of that, you can grieve him and interfere with the flowing of it, but his abiding in you is blood-bought. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit's uh, um, uh, incarnation. There you go. That's the word. Not incarceration. <laughs> Sometimes he might have felt like that. No. So uphold me by your willing spirit. So I share this just as a, um, as a, as a practical means, you know? Okay, so, so uh, where do we get, how do we just get there to this true heart in the full assurance of faith. What are some steps? Give me some steps. Okay. I'm really bad on steps. I, I'm, I'm more of a shotgun guy. But I'll give you some steps. Right? <laughs> What's about all this stuff? Okay. All right. Here's some steps. Um, receiving a true heart in the fullness of faith from Psalm 51. Acknowledge the transgression. 
Just acknowledge the transgression. Well, I mean, is God omnipotent? Is He all-powerful? Yes. Yes. Right? Um, is He omniscient? He's all-knowing. Right? So, what good are you doing trying to hide from the person who knows everything what you've done? Like He doesn't know. Right? But to acknowledge the transgression is to true up the heart. You're speaking truth. I know, Father, that's wrong. And I did it. I know it's wrong. Not, well, I did that, but I was lonely. I did that, but I was hurt. I did that, but I was broke. I did that, but I was bored. That's not owning it. Right? So, acknowledge your transgression. Own it. Ask for forgiveness. I know these are hard. These are hard. We're going to have like a, a, a two-week seminar on this um, to, to, to get you up there in the Holy of Holies. And, and at the end of the conference, you'll just be so shiny, you won't know yourself. Acknowledge the transgression. Ask for forgiveness. Right? Okay? That's verse 1 and verse 2. And, and, and ask for forgiveness and cleansing. Verse, verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Who's doing, who's doing the forgiving? Who's doing the cleansing? God. How much are you sweating? Probably a lot. None? Okay. <laughs> Believe God! <laughs> he creates the clean heart and renews our spirit. He creates the new heart. He washes it out. He makes it new. If you're in Christ... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creation. When? This morning. Next minute. A minute after that. Next breath. He upholds all things by His powerful Word. So you're alive because He's the source of life. So, He's the one... See, this is why faith isn't a difficult thing. It's not about so much what I believe, but who. Right? You know, the father of faith didn't take Isaac up on the mountain because, well, I, this, is, well this is the religion I chose, so I guess this is what I got to do. <laughs> no. No. He, he'd been walking with his God for long enough to know that, well, I guess he could do that. So, I have such confidence, such assurance in your faithfulness that if you told me that through Isaac I'm going to have like oodles and oodles and oodles of kids like, like sand on the seashore and stars and, and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because he's the promised kid and then you ask me to kill him, well I guess you just got to raise him from the dead. Because <laughs> that's you. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Faith isn't about... What you're seeing right now, you know, put out your withered hand. It's withered. I know that. Put it out. But it's withered. <sighs> How many times do we have to go through this, right? You know, if you if you confess your sin, I'll I'll wash you with my blood and and, and forgive you all sin. But I'm a sinner. I know that. But if you confess your sin and and then ask for forgiveness, I'll I'll wash you with my blood. Yeah, but I really messed up. <sighs> you just come already. <laughs> now think about, you know, when, when your kid gets a splinter in their finger, uh -huh. and you say, let me see it. No. Yeah. <laughs> let me see it. I'll, I'll get it out. No. no. It hurts. <laughs> Once you get it out, oh, it's okay. Uh -huh. I, remember, I remember the first time my mom did this trick, I smashed my finger, you know, and it was like, I mean, it was like fresh. Smashed my finger. It really hurt. She goes, well, hold on. I'm like... Okay, this is, this is Gloria Lair we're talking about. So, right, what's she going to do? Yes. Oh, I was not prepared. <laughs> My mom was old school nurse, right? So, so she comes to the table, and she gets a sewing needle and a lighter. <laughs> what are you doing, mother? Well, well, I got, I got to drill a hole in your nail. Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she gets that thing red hot, right? And I'm like... Okay, but I know my mom. Okay? And so, hey, it's been a rough ride, but if she's taking care of me, 
when it's done, I'm better, right? So, a lot better. So I'm like, okay, and you're not gonna go too deep, are you? Oh, just be still, you know? And, and then just whip to the nail, the blood came out, all the pain went away. Yep. You know? And just like that, I'm like, I, I don't know. But, you know, I stayed there because it was Gloria. I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, that, she could take me. And uh, <laughs> so, so, so that was fun, right? But funner was when one of my, you know, years later, one of my crew smashed their finger. I'm like, hold on, I got something for that. <laughs> what are you doing, Larry? It'll be all right. <laughs> I watched my mom do this. I'm good. <laughs> I had that done to me, and, it, and the pain is just, just I mean, it's throbbing with the pressure there, but. And and then later on when I was operating a crane, the fellow working with me, he, he, he banged his finger and he, you know. I said, let me let me take care of that. No, no, no! He wouldn't let me. He just suffered and suffered and suffered. But that's that's a great picture. That's a great picture of us because we get cracked and broken and dirty, and then. We begin to believe the lie that the crack, broken, and dirty is truly us. And so we identify with that. Mm -hmm. And then God says, let me take care of that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I won't recognize myself if I don't walk like this. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so then we wrap ourselves around our woundedness instead of grabbing the healing. Yeah. You know? But He's the one doing it. Here's the thing. This, this full, continual carrying of faith is a matter of just believing that God actually is going to do what He says He's going to do. Just walk in and let Him do it. And then enjoy the company. Because it's pretty big. I mean, pretty great. You know? How did you do that? Well, um, I have another point there. Oh, look at that. Then He upholds us. Uh, the King James is by your free spirit. Uh, the ESV is, by, you know, uphold me uh, by a willing spirit. His willing spirit. So look. I confess it, I acknowledge it, I sinned against you. So how about, okay, God, all right, um, you know what I did? This is David, right? So this is Nick's paraphrase of David. Okay, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was that was awful. Matter of fact, it's horrible. You know, I destroyed a family, killed a man, um, and, and, and you know, corrupted my kingdom, brought my whole rulership into question, ruined my progeny and my family because of my behavior. I get it. I did it. How about you clean me? How about you forgive me? How about you just go ahead and fix this heart of mine and I'm going to tell transgressors how to come to you. I am going to bring them to you. Right? And then God does all that. And then He, then he says, and then, so this done, right? Here's the part. Uphold me with your willing spirit. God is willing for you, but then God also imbues you with willingness to do His will. It's God at work in you to will and do of His good pleasure. It's so. So this thing, where um, you know, Scripture doesn't say, "Thou shalt be a carpenter." You know, "Thou shalt be an accountant." It's just not my dream. I don't like this job. It's not my dream. <laughs> you know, I mean, Scripture doesn't say, "Thou shalt seek this profession." It doesn't say that. Right? It, it says, what? Work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. Okay? So, so when, when, you, when you turn your heart, when you true up your heart to, I have the best employer in the entire universe. Yeah, dude, but uh, you clean toilets. I know. But I do it for him. <laughs> He's the best toilet cleaning boss I've ever met. I'm so excited to clean his toilet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yep. I mean, it just fixes so much. Right? How'd I get on that? I don't know. But I was excited about it. Willingness. Willingness to work it out. So then you approach, because I was dealing with attitude today, right? When you approach this, I, you know, I really, I, my heart's not in it. Well, then you don't have your heart turned the right way. And so, um, to, to, to seek the Lord's help, you know, Lord, grant me the grace to work heartily as unto you. One of the best motivational speakers I heard from last year at work, um, Spanish man who swept floors 
for a company like Doritos, candy chip company, I'm not sure which one. A lot of crumbs there. <laughs> speak, speak up for me. Uh, he was he worked for a candy chip company, could have been Doritos, could have been one of the others. Um, and he swept the floors. And his heart was to sweep the floors the best he could as if unto the Lord. Wasn't too long, he came up with an idea, and now he's like a senior marketing person for that potato chip company, multi-multi-millionaire, came up with a very creative potato chip recipe, and, uh, you know, yeah. but started at the bottom, doing what he did as unto the Lord, and then God rewarded him. God, God promotes, God promotes, but this, see, so this willingness, he, he supernaturally energizes your desire to do the right thing. That's what that's what David's praying. You know? Okay, now that it's straight, you just keep me going on this straight thing with your spirit. That's what we talked about last week. It's not it's not my brain, my flesh trying to modify, you know, I gotta have the right vitamin, the right diet, the right exercise protocol, um, the right tunes at night, and then my life's gonna be good, you know. It, it, it's you can't approach this to the flesh, you know. Um, and this is not a dish to right food, right? You know, you, you know the deal, right? But his spirit <clears throat> propels us to be truth tellers, to be lovers, to be joyful, to be at peace, to be thankful, to be good, right? By God's doing all the work here. <laughs> All you gotta do is believe it. I, I, I got nothing else. Okay, I got one minute. But, you know, I, I, this is just. I think of our, you know, God gives you the desires of your heart, uh -huh. but He puts a desire He wants in your heart first. Because right. He made you, He knows what you really want. That's right. What you really need. All right, last quote from Murray on, on, uh, on tonight. This is what I'm gonna finish with, okay? Faith ever deals with impossibilities, its only rule or measure is what God has said to be possible to him. It's what God has said to be possible to him. Amen? Amen. Wow.